evening, Patriots, and it is Friday, the end of Friday, May 27th in the year 2022. It's the beginning of Memorial Day, and for those of you on the East Coast, you are fully into Saturday and a hopefully a really good weekend. Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure you're doing everything you can to preserve your wealth and the hard-earned capital that you have. This is, these are challenging times, and Birch Gold has solutions. Patriots, we have been witnessing the economy slowly go through a death spiral and the fed has boxed itself in the economy is in dire straits and thanks to a loose money policy there's no end in sight apparently you just can't spend trillions every year without repercussions and now in an attempt to play catch up the fed is raising rates and plans to do it seven more times this year we're already starting to see the ripple effects in the housing market as people's buying power diminishes what are you doing to protect your money Have you considered what could happen if the stock market continues to fall or worse, crashes? Don't wait until that happens. Take some of your profits from the stock market now and solidify them with gold from Birch Gold. Throughout history, gold has maintained its value better than any other investment in the world. So text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898 for a free zero-obligation info kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Again, text BARDS to 989898 and secure the gains from the hard-earned capital that you have. Join the thousands of Happy Birch customers, the countless five-star reviews, and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold, they're professionals, they're some of the best in the market. So again, text BARDS at 989898 to protect your future with gold. And do check that out, Patriots. It's a non-obligation. All you have to do is text 989898 and put the words BARDS in your text, and you'll get a link to a full information packet, and it's worth exploring. If you're wondering, by the way, a greater motive to the those eager to steal the guns, and they are wanting to steal the guns, the Democrats are desperate, and those that are out here obeying their masters, as we know that they do, are living in a very naive world to believe that somehow taking away guns is going to solve a problem, a problem that the deep state's creating and instigating through the various things that they do. And it's important to appreciate just how much of a fervor they can create and politicize a very tragic event It just happened in Texas. Take a listen to this. This is outside of the NRA convention today in Houston, Texas. Useful idiots, I think would be the term that we have to consider here. These people are not, they're they're just compliant drones is all they are. They don't think, they react, and most of the liberal class is an emotional-based class. And that's not how we're wired. It should should not be how we're wired at all. We should be looking at very strong levels of stability. We're trying to look at reason knowledge, and common sense. And yet what happens with the liberal movement is that they instigate most of their policy changes through emotion, how they feel, how they, how they, what they desire for themselves because it's a me-centered culture. So right now, the knowing that the truths are starting to pour out, the leadership that needs this progressive class to keep itself in power, it's basically a, a human shield is all they've created, is doing everything it can to fan the flames of emotion, to instigate potentially violence and definitely verbal violence, and to gin people up on the hope that they can ultimately take away guns. Let me give you an example of some of the insidious concepts that are floating around. And here's one right now. And this is, this is a concept that they're playing with right now called every town for gun safety. And this is how it reads. It's a, it's a chart. And it says if guns were as regulated as cars title and tag each point of sale, 
driver training, gun training, written test, written test, practical test. Each one would get those health requirements, health requirements. These are comparing guns to cars. Liability insurance for each vehicle, liability insurance for each gun, renewals and inspections at intervals, renewals and inspections at intervals. You can kind of get a sense of what they're trying to do. And you're getting a real sense of the approach that they're taking because they're not going to try, what they're attempting to do essentially is to regulate things to where it is almost impossible to own. So the reason I bring all this up is not to fan the flames of fear or anger or anxiety because none of that's relevant. But it's to understand what line that we have to hold and the fact that the people that are already in this group are not going to wake up. You have to understand that. Let me read you a post earlier. And this actually comes from Ghost Ezra, really well pointed, is really well stated and said, if you think the purpose of these false flags are to wake people up, you are sadly mistaken. It's to slowly chip away at gun rights. Sheep aren't waking up, so wake up the lions because the sheep are on their own at this point. And that's a true statement. Patriots, we're dealing with a level of evil, pure evil, that we just we have to come to grips with. And we always talk here about building bridges and we talk about praying and unity and, it, and those are fundamentals to that walk with Christ. However, there is a point when you come that you arrive at that when we when we get to this point of of awakening we're looking around the country god is giving everybody an opportunity to right now to see the truth and it's an equal it's an equal playing field everybody has that opportunity right now to see the truth it's it's what where it was hiding is no longer there everything's being brought to light and what was hidden will be exposed i mean that's scriptural and then we're seeing it so there shouldn't be any there shouldn't be any surprise to anybody if we're all paying attention to what is coming and what is actually happening but people have walked away from god they don't want to even consider that and they don't they don't want to possibly believe that their cocoon of of living was has completely defiled the earth and is trying to destroy humanity that's beyond their scope of thinking so i would just say this because I truly believe that God is bringing, has brought, and is continuing to bring a heavy sword to the earth, to the world. And we are seeing those that are believing in that dark side separating from those that are trying to seek that beautiful walk with God. And this is a, an amazing summer. This is a summer that we've started out with, with obviously with a, a tremendous amount of force. And we are witnessing how much this sword is happening now, how much the wheat and the shaft are being separated. And I truly believe, and I'm going to just speak from my heart, because I truly believe this is the summer of kind of last opportunity. And it isn't that God's going to reject anybody, but this is the last opportunity to get on board and be prepared for what's coming, because by the end of the summer, you're going to, and through this summer, you're going to see some torturous issues. We're all going to witness more of these false flags, and who knows to what level they're going to go to. Because again, the thing that they want most right now, if they can break the control of the guns, they can get to the Bibles. That's a true statement. And that's, even though they've been waging war on faith for a long time, right now that ticket to getting everything is to take the sword of steel away from the people, just take away ultimately the sword of the spirit. And while people can say that I'll never separate from God and I will never, I will never be, I will never give that up, but that's fine. But the fact of the matter is that we become still, we still are holding out to be the beacon of hope for the rest of the world. And the reason they haven't come hard enough, harder so far is because there has been a standoff. But the World Economic Forum has made it very clear that they have no intention of stopping their agenda. They want every single person in the world injected. They want every single person in the world to carry a, a bracelet on their hand to track their behavior. They want every single person to be able to have their behavior modified. They have a whole class of useless eaters 
useless citizens that because they see the whole world being run by artificial intelligence and they have a group of people that have bought into that belief because they see AI as the opportunity to make the world a more perfect place to relinquish their free will to AI. There is a group of people, those same people that are chanting out there at the NRA conference today, they are part of that. So the question is, where do you stand? Because if you're going to be intimidated by what they're saying, you're not going to survive this. This is going to take a deeper faith of not and faith in numbers. Because if you're going to worry about numbers of how many people are on each side, we're not going to, you're not going to get through this. God doesn't need numbers. He needs purity of heart. And I truly believe that what's coming is going to make that very clear because the righteous are standing. The righteous are coming out of the lion's den and they're coming into the world boldly and speaking profoundly and holding the line. And that's what God needs. Tonight I want to go over Gideon. And I just, this is Gideon's 300 chosen men, Judges 7. And I think this has so much application to where we are right now and an an important application to where we are right now. Too often we get wrapped into the idea that if we don't have the numbers, and that's the whole idea of these big chants that they do, and like you just heard a minute ago, to try to intimidate everyone else. And the interesting thing, I just have never quite figured this out, but the, the conservative side has become meek. We have God on our side. We were given life through the sacrifice of Christ, one of the greatest warriors, the greatest warrior of all times. And yet we're, there's a meekness that happens within the conservative side. When they start to get loud, people start to pull back. And they, they get the feeling, and many get the feeling, it's like, oh my goodness, we're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to lose the election. We're going to lose our right to guns. We're going to lose. You're not going to lose anything unless you give it away. And that's fundamentally it. And if you're going to comply with their rules, then you're going to pay a price. This is a point of defiance at its maximum. And this is going to take everybody to stand together boldly to understand what that's going to take. So beginning with Judges 1. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to hand Midian over to them. Otherwise, Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has saved me. Now, therefore, come proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 20,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. I want to stop right there because there's a couple of profound things right there. And it all speaks to God's desire to find purity of heart. God has spoken to Gideon and reminded him that if, if all these people go, they will take claim over this victory for their own. We've talked about this so much, and it's so critical to appreciate that where our place is in this world. God has, it leads everything. And if we're humble enough to give God the credit that is due, it, it is God's war, it is God's fight, and we're trusting in that. Profound things happen. But when we begin to use the I and the me, we're missing the entire point here. And so much of what we see on the left, and the, I'll just say the progressive side, because left and right are blurred at this point. There's, there's people on the moderate right side out there with signs too, because they're sheep. I remember a buddy of mine, a good, good friend of mine, we were doing some stuff together in, in 2016, and, and he... And he said to me, and he was a special operator, um, great guy. And he said, the, the most dangerous person in the country, the most dangerous person to the republic is not the terrorist, is not Antifa, is not Black Lives Matter, and it's not ISIS. It's soccer mom. 
because soccer mom always wants to be with her friends and be in the know and be in the trends of things and will follow and do whatever's necessary to make themselves look best. This is ultimately, it's this approach to where people are just unwilling to think for themselves. They just want to be liked and they'll do anything they can to be part of the group. So God doesn't need that. And I think this comes through so clearly in Judges 7. God doesn't seek that. He doesn't want people that are trying to find the place for themselves. He's needing the pure warriors, the true warriors of heart. And we're at that point right now. And we are at a point at this moment where it is truly who is going to be there. We use the term 300 regularly because Gideon had 300. But it's not specifically the number. But it's the point of the story that there was only, after all of this, we'll get down to just how many were actually left. So we have 22,000 leave after Gideon tells them if they are afraid or worried. 22,000 leave. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. So it shall be that he whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, you shall put everyone who laps the water with their tongue as a dog laps in one group and everyone who kneels down to drink in another. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300. But all the rest of the people kneeled down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will save you with the 300 men who lapped and will hand the Midianites over to you. So have all the other people, each man to his home. So the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and Gideon dismissed the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, could you imagine being Gideon? You've now seen your army shrunk from 30-some thousand by these numbers, actually 32,000, you have it shrunk down to 300. And he's facing a massive army. It is really important to appreciate the amount of trust that that takes at that point in the Lord. And that's something that I reflect on regularly. It's like, how would you feel? You had this sea of people out here and you're, you're commanding them. And the Lord says, yeah, that's not going to be good. I, I, Get rid of them all. Okay. And then I'm down. I got 10,000, Lord. Yeah, we're going to get rid of a bunch more. Watch this. I just want you to keep these 300. Right then, that is a profound moment of trust with God. As you look across the battlefield and you're asking yourself, okay, now how is this going to go? Now on the same night it came, about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have handed it over to you. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Purah, your servant, down to the camp, so that you may hear what that they say. And afterward you, have, you will have the courage to go down against the camp. So he went down to, with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites... The Amalekites and all the peoples of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand in the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend, and he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent collapsed. And his friend replied, This is nothing other than a sword of Gideon, the son of Joash. 
the man of Israel. God has handed over to him Midian and the camp. Then Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation. He bowed to worship. Then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has handed us over to you, you the camp of Midian. And he divided the 300 men into three units, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of them with torches inside the pitchers. Then he said to them, Look to me and do likewise, and behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets around the entire camp and say, For the Lord and for Gideon. How often in our entire process of these last few years has have we stood before a group, of, say a city council or a, or a school board, how often have people proclaimed for the Lord? See, there's a, there's a missing piece in this fight that we still are getting wrapped around the me and the I. And... It happens when we hear the, ch- just like those chants right there. Even today, and I will say this, I we've heard some good speeches today in the NRA conference. But how many people proclaimed for the Lord? How many people put under God's law, we shall not? Well, for this is God's fight. This is God's army. How many of these things were said? And the question is, no one. No one. We're trying to fight a me-on-me fight, and we're not going to win this if we continue doing this. God will win this, but we're going to suffer through some difficult times unless we start proclaiming the Lord in these fights and in this battle. For this is the Lord's battle, as it was with Gideon. And it's for this time, it's for this place that we stand in such a bold and powerful fashion in the Lord's army. And this is what constitutes the power of the army. Joshua was, was the same way when he took his army across the, the, the river, asking his soldiers to pick up a memorial stone. Why? So that they would have a memory of that moment and a connection with God as they moved forward and then went on to siege Jericho. Always God is put first in all these battles. All of the heroics are when God is placed first and all the fall of man happens when men try to do for themselves rather than do for God first or do as God bids, better said. We have to get back to a place in our life where we're fighting this fight with God before us And in everything that we do, we're acknowledging his might, his glory, his power. Because otherwise, what are we doing? What are we accomplishing? We're just going back and doing the same thing over and over. It's like hitting another cycle on the dishwasher. Okay, let's try this again. We'll go extra wash this time. An extra long cycle this time. It's not going to change the outcome. We have got to get back to that principles that are there within the texts that are there for us to read in these great battles. So Gideon, continuing, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle night watch when they had just posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the pitchers that were in their hands. When The three units blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing and shouted, The sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And each stood in his place, the camp, and all the army ran, crying out as they fled. And when they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another even throughout the entire army, and the army fled as far as Beth Shittah towards Zerahah, as far as the edge of Abel Meholah by Tabath. And the men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh. And 
they pursued Midian. Patriots, this is a profound moment in, in our in this history, is that and I I, I mean I, it's obvious from this is an unbelievable victory in the battle. But it's always again, it's how they placed the emphasis of who was running the battle. They were they were the hands of God in the battle. And it was there that as they broke that pots of light and as they blew the horns, and for those of you that were at Bards Fest last year, you remember we did 300 pots and we did the blowing of the horns. It's a profound experience. It's very real. But I think the big thing here that's so critical as well is it's not just the process of doing. Because we do a lot of this. And I'm not, this is not a rebuke of anybody. It's just a statement that we tend to do a lot of emulation. But as I read this story, I imagine these soldiers, as they call out these words, and as they speak of the Lord, a sword of the Lord, that's not just a belief. I mean, it's not just a word. Those are, I, I truly sense that they had that truly in their heart. They, were, they weren't just going through this with any doubt. Matter of fact, they had no doubt. These 300 that were there understood very clearly what the Lord was doing. That's the resolve. That's the righteousness. That's that fire that's burning within their belly. There is an absolute zero doubt that the Lord is going to levy this enemy. They don't necessarily know how. They just know that these are the actions that they must take. And they have absolute trust in God that all will turn out as, as he led. And they're listening to God. I, you know, I have to say, honestly, I, I'm disappointed today in these rallies at the, at the NRA. Because for what is supposed to be God and country, there was a whole lot of country and guns but there, and me, but there wasn't a whole lot of God. And that right there gets to be one of the major problems. We've become so deeply embedded in the culture of me that we're starting to try to fight the left on their terms, the progressives. And that's exactly what they want. Gideon didn't fight Midian on their terms. He fought them on God's terms as God led. And as God led, they were destroyed. So finishing this out, starting at 24, Judges 7, 24. Then Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against Midian and take control of the waters ahead of them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were summoned and they took control of the waters as far as Beth Barah and Jordan. And they captured the two leaders of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and they killed Zeb at the winepress of Zeb, while they pursued Midian. And they brought their heads of Arab and Zeb to Gideon from across the Jordan. It is always amazing to me when I read the Old Testament. And this is where I so often say, we misunderstand Christ so much. These were, a, these were sanctioned battles. Think about this. God sanctioned these battles. And as part of the sanctioning these battles, Oreb and Zeb's head were brought back to Gideon. These were violent battles. And they were a true sense of defeating a dark and evil enemy. It wasn't just a tribal fight. We're not dealing with tribal fights right now. We're fighting truly an evil in this world. These are demons. This is a darkness of people that have walked away, whatever they are, have walked away from God. I don't know where this summer will take us. But what I really feel is when we get through this summer, it's going to be inordinately clear where you stand, because you're not going to have any room anymore to stand in the middle. And as God brings the sword to the earth once again, we, we are witnessing this separation of wheat, the wheat from the chaff. 
We are literally witnessing all of this happening before us. And there's not going to be any question of where one has to stand. There shouldn't be now, but there definitely won't be by the end of summer. And whatever befalls at that point, I can expect that we are going to have to be holding strong in ways that will test us in many ways. It'll be trial by fire. and say It's a reforging and purifying by fire. God will keep us safe. But those that choose this path, and even listening to this chant today, what struck me is I wouldn't at all be surprised that in the cities and in many places if they don't start outrightly banning firearms. And to a certain degree, I hope they do. Because what follows behind that is abject tyranny. And it will be those that lost the right that will be pleading for the others to come save them. That's me. That's not a forecast other than by what I see as trends around the world. We are the light and the lamp for the world. And increasingly that burden and that responsibility and that opportunity, all three of those, rests within a smaller group of people each day. It's those who have grounded themselves in faith, those who have walked truly with Jesus, those who have taken the resolve that under no conditions will you give another inch. That's the fiery warrior that has to be within those that will survive this and lead this. And But what God reminds us in this story is that he doesn't need thousands, especially if your heart isn't pure. So I'm putting this out here. It is a rhetorical place because I think everybody right now has an opportunity as all of those 22,000 had an opportunity. But when they were questioned and put, when the question was put before them of whether they would have fear, and that was as God told Gideon to do, they left. So the question is, where are you? I check myself on this literally every day. Where am I on this process? Where would I sit if I'm called now to stand or to flee? And that strength is going to come at strength or choice to leave, either one, the choice to stay or choice to leave, is going to ultimately come for me in a couple of ways. And it's right here in the story. The powerful warriors were humble because God didn't want those that sought the self-aggrandizement, the self-recognition. God wanted humble warriors. So the humbleness is a critical piece. The true believer, the believer and the total trust in God was critical because the numbers don't add up. There's no way Gideon should have been able to shatter this army with 300, and yet he did. That story is the same as with David. As David stood to Goliath, and we see it again and again, it's never about the numbers, it's always about what God is seeking in the purity of heart for those that will stand with him and he can show them just how great and how grand he truly is. Jumping over then as we close tonight to 1 Samuel 17. Starting at 41, then the Philistine came on and approached David with a shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, his dis- he disdained him, for he was but a youth, a ruddy b- and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you came to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by the gods. Lowcase gods, by the way. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God 
of the armies of Israel, whom, you're, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into the, my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Yet again, such profound words that David gives full credit and lets God lead. He didn't wait for God to come and fix it. Matter of fact, he jumps in front of all this. He steps in and takes charge. But he even says, this isn't even a fight of sword and spear. This is the Lord's fight, and he will deliver you to me. It's the absolute trust. It's a level of trust in dialogue, in words, in everything that they believe in and are that's different than how we live. And it's that challenge if we can accomplish that. I truly believe the tide of this battle turned so fast it would make most people's heads spin. So we continue here. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Now think about that. You've got this giant with a big old spear and he's coming right at David and David doesn't step aside. He runs at him. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and that he fell on his face to the ground. And this is the part that I, I just always remark at because he doesn't just accept that. He fulfills the words that he spoke to the Philistine. And what does he do? Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a a sling and a sword, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. He finished completely as he had promised. And there's such a deep part of that because he made that commitment in the name of the Lord. Now that may be far, for some, they may find that to be like, oh, I can't believe this is so disgusting. This is warfare. But my point of this is that he fulfilled every step that he said would happen, not for himself, but because this was the fight of the Lord's and not one thing was missed. Could you imagine if David had said simply, Oh, Lord, I killed him with a stone. We're done now. It was unfulfilled. You see, there is the whole piece within these, the commitments that are being made to God as God is proclaiming here. David is proclaiming and speaking. And really, God is speaking through David. And in in the Gideon, God is speaking to Gideon and Gideon is executing. And God is telling Gideon what to do, where with David, I always read this as God is just moving right through David. There's no, there's no hesitation. But in all cases, obedience is 100%. It's perfect. And with it, there is a complete and total destruction of the enemy without anything left. I want you to imagine what that would be like in this day. If 80,000 80, people at a Trump rally or 60,000 people at a NRA rally. They're not chanting about me and chanting about come and take it. It's putting the Lord first, that this is the Lord's fight, that you will not stand for we are proclaiming this is the Lord's fight and the Lord will have his way and you will not succeed. It's something we have to change. It's a principle of warfare that we're not utilizing and yet it's right here. It's that simple. And when we're dealing with an enemy like this, an enemy who is ritualistically obedient to their God or gods, they are so ritualistically obedient that they will 
seek to sacrifice children for them at any moment they can, any moment they're called. And as much as I find that disgusting and I want that enemy purged, I have to always give them a head nod for the obedience that they give to their commander. We have God on our side. God will win this, but if we're going to be obedient soldiers, we have to start doing as God's bidding says. And that also means that we have to proclaim the Lord in this battle. The others do it to theirs. Why are we not doing it for God? This is the relentlessness and the ruthlessness that is needed in this fight. And if we're going to do this, we will succeed beyond any measure of imagination. If we hesitate, we will endure a long process of attrition and pain, in my opinion, until we realize how important that principle is. And that sounds ominous, but I truly believe that because it needs the obedience to God to get through this. We owe that. Christ gave his life for us, and it's now time for us to pony up, quite frankly. We are the army to win this. We are the only ones that can win this with God. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight very humbled and blessed by all that's been given with eyes to see and all of the illusions that are being shattered and all the truths that are being presented. And yet we know that we deal with a very enraged and a very energized enemy. An enemy that is doing all it can to cling on to its power using its sheep that it's created, these willful drones to parrot its words, to be deceived by the truth, and to do its bidding. Pitting your children against each other, which is such a sad and unfortunate thing. Lord, we know that truth is the ultimate weapon here. So tonight, we pray for that sort of the spirit, that, that sword that can strike down anything, not by the steel, but by the beauty of truth and the power of eyes that can see and to shatter the illusions. We pray for each that will choose to walk in that step with you, to have that power, to levy that sword against the enemy. As with Gideon, to be able to do our version, as you call us, to blow horns, the shofar, and to break the pots of light, to shatter the illusions and to illuminate the moment to leave our enemy in disarray. And so, Lord, we pray for those that have the purity of heart to stand, to hear you, to unite, whether that's 300, 3,000, 3 million, who will answer that call? And our prayers now are for all of those that can to rise, to unite, and to stand as a solid front. This enemy must be stopped. And we know that in the end, truth will ultimately win. Guide us in these times, Father. Let us walk under the banner of Jesus. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, challenging times, but times that we can overcome. There is nothing that we cannot overcome with God. And we have such great examples of the type of warfare that God demands. Gideon, Joshua, David, three profound So keep that in mind. We need to retool our tactics. We need to start proclaiming God in this fight. And we need to encourage others as well. This is how we win this. Because it isn't our fight. It's God's fight. And we're in the Lord's army. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up, prayers for the unity of this nation, but equally the strength of the patriots to rise, those that will put God first in this fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, 
Walk fearlessly with Jesus. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow night for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now Thank you.